Hello, guys, and welcome back to another Villa Park podcast. Um, this is going to be a good one today. Uh, as you guys all know, if you've regular listeners, if you've been been with us before, you'll know that I'm I'm quite keen on integration of of, of young players, and uh, we thought just before the season starts, no one better to talk to about that than the expert on the Villa Academy. So. Um, uh, with uh, no further ado, let me add in Charlie, who is um, on Twitter, the Villa Academy uh, uh, page. I'm sure a lot of you will have seen it. Um, Charlie likes to retain his anonymity. So there's no video of him today, but I'm sure we'll be able to do all right. Just the same. Hi, Charlie, mate. How are you? All good, thanks. Uh, yeah, uh, just uh, happy to be on, happy to, to discuss... Uh some of the players that we've been seeing in action yesterday and and some of the other players who I've been watching over the past couple of seasons and, and uh, seeing them progress and, and discussing with you what the future might look like for them. Yeah, cool. Well, we're, we're about 10 minutes late because uh, Charlie and I were finishing up watching Wimbledon. Um, before we go on to the football, what do you reckon to the tennis, Charlie? Good match? Yeah, ridiculous to watch. But one of the funny things I was thinking just as I came off to come on is, is Carlos Alcaraz is, is 20. And I was thinking about some of the players that we're going to be talking about and they're such a similar age. And they're relatively at the start of their careers and Alcaraz is already reaching such a major point in his career. Being a consistent well, world number one Grand Slam winner, it's, it's kind of... Um, incredible to think about the difference really when it's a, a an individual sport compared to a team sport with such different dynamics well it's really really funny in the interview um that they did with uh, just before they started interviewing Djokovic they started talking about it like, it's like a changing of the guard um and and the way that it happened before with Roger Federer and Pete Sampras so uh maybe we'll get into talking about a change of the guard in some of the positions in in the Villa lineup um before we get on to the sort of specific, the players and stuff like that, I've always found it really interesting because I'll, I'll be completely honest, this is a fact-finding mission for me because I don't, apart from following you on Twitter, <laughs> I don't really focus on the academy too much. I'm always just sort of absorbed with the first team. How did you How did you get into um, following the youth players and, and sort of start your, your, your page on Twitter and where does that sort of interest in, in, in the youth teams come from? I think the main thing is is just is born out of interest. Um, I think even when I was a little bit younger, I'm in my twenties now, but when I was eleven, twelve, thirteen, I was always a bit interested in seeing what the reserve scores were. Um, when you'd get a program at Villa Park, the little section at the back of the program that talked about the results, and you'd see the under eighteen scores, and you'd see the scorers and the names of the peoples to follow. Um, and that's just sort of grown with me. One of the things I've talked about before uh, on other podcasts and, and in tweets is just that almost slight satisfaction that comes from um, if Villa aren't playing on a Saturday and you're watching Soccer Saturday and you see the, the video printer roll through with goal scorers and you're like, oh, uh, for example, Harvey Nibs has scored or someone like that. And it's it's kind of satisfying in a way to to have tracked that player for such a long time into the point where they're having this professional football career and it's it's something that's always sort of stayed with me from the days of watching Barry Bannon for the reserves and the next gen series win and, and things like that and 
really sort of tracking those players into their professional careers. And now that's obviously transferred into um, following more specifically the academy accounts and, and providing the coverage that I think people deserve to get uh, of the academy that the club doesn't really provide. I mean, it, not as though I'd, I do something amazing, but... <laughs> But even the small bits of information that I can provide, I think, are more than what the club does. And and I think that was the main motivation initially when I, I started the account is I want to give the players the sense that they're they're doing something. Some of these players won't go on to have professional careers. Um, that, unfortunately, is just one of the facts of academy football. And, and um, I think one of the things that sort of gives me a bit of motivation in my head is that I'm giving these players something that they can sort of store and come back to whether that be a goal in a, a good FA Youth Cup win or um, getting to the Premier League under 18 Cup final last season and, and those little things where they can store that and, and keep that with them. Obviously, the, the, the bigger side of that is giving people the lowdown and giving my opinions on who will be the next person to break through, who's going to be the next player to um, make a breakthrough into the first team. And that's probably something that we'll come on to a little bit today. Yeah, for sure. And I'll just say this, at, you say you're, you're now in your 20s. I, I put good money on you being the youngest person to have ever appeared on the pod because we're all a bunch of old phonies who, who <laughs> normally on here anyway. Um, but yeah, I think you're bang on. I mean, you talk about the sort of progression of these kids, you know, they're in the limelight, they're in these youth teams. How many of them will actually go on to play at like a good level? I've seen today, and I'm sure we'll get onto it in a little bit, about Brad Young had a had a trial at a League One club and was training there, and he wasn't offered it. wasn't offered a contract, and you know, um, you just think, you know, they all seem so dead set. Oh, they're playing in another academy; they'll end up at a Championship club or a or a Premier League club or something like that. And it's it's not always the case. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of, of what of what you do, and I, I really like your page. One of the reasons that I sort of reached out and thought it'd be good to to have this conversation is because I think you're right. I don't think there's a lot of um, a lot of output from the club about youth players. And I think there's actually loads and loads of interest in it because mm -hmm. if you think of like um, the favorite, the favorite or the fan favorite at every club, it's generally someone who's come up through the ranks, you know, at Tottenham, it's Harry Kane, at, um, you know, uh, Arsenal, it's Bakayo Saka, at Villa, it was Jack Grealish, now it's Jacob Ramsey. And, you know, fans love the one of their own, those, that kind of player. And I think, um, that year, the COVID year, when we played Liverpool, I don't know what it was in the FA Cup or the Carling Cup, um, whatever it's called now, the Carabao Cup, and uh, and we played we played the kids and Louis Barry got that goal, and it was just, mm -hmm. you know, I think moments like that, I, I think Villa fans were were so up for that game because the kids were playing and backed them so much more than I think they would have done just with a normal first team because of what it means to have players that come up through through your academy. How do you mm -hmm. how do you feel? In terms of, you know, watching players like like Jack come through the uh, through the academy, watching Jacob Ramsey, who's now part, of, you know, solidified his place in the in the first team. How do you sort of feel with those kind of players? Do you feel more of an attachment to the youth players, or is it um, is it just whoever's doing well at the time? I think you're exactly right. It is um, an attachment, and I think it's an attachment that every fan kind of craves with the player. One of the big things. Um, is just that sense of connection to somebody. And, and uh, although you can create that with a player that's coming in from elsewhere, and, and obviously you see that with 
um, whether you're talking about Ollie Watkins or, or Emmy Martinez, for example, you create that bond. But I think when when a player comes through and has spent their childhood with the club, uh, has grown up in the area, I think it just adds that different dynamic to the, the connection that you have. Jacob Ramsey is the prime example. Jacob Ramsey grew up in um, Great Bar. He grew up... Um, not far away from me and, and went to the same school as my brother and it, it's just in, insane to have those little um, those little connections that, that are, are, it's almost not something to, to boast about to other fans but it's it's something that you, you sort of keep in your head to yourself and then I, I think the other bit is adding in that sort of sense of local pride one of the you mentioned Bukayo Saka at Arsenal and and Arsenal are one of the the champions of their area, and they love to talk about um, owning a particular part of North London, for example. And, and players mm. coming through from that area have this tag, and they have this um, almost instant bond where the you almost don't have to win over the fans; the fans will will already love you. And that's another aspect of um, my sort of ad- admiration for ad- academy football he, he's sort of tracking the players who come from areas not far away from you and things like that knowing that somebody mm. comes from um 10 minutes down the road and, and you, you know I, I almost forgot we were in a podcast i was gonna i was gonna say to you oh what, where what school did you brother go to what, <laughs> what area i completely forgot I was, always turns into a chat these to me and i forgot that you know that we're on camera and recording but no, i think i think you bang on you know it's it's always nice to see uh, for example, I, I went to school with, because um, I, I sort of was born and raised in Birmingham, but I grew up in North London in my teens. And I went to school with uh, a guy called Jay Clivermore, who ended mm. up playing first team for Spurs and for England and then for a long time for West Brom. And he was sort of two years above me, but he, he didn't just go to school with me. He was also my neighbour as well. Mm. And uh, because I was, I was so familiar with him on a personal level, you know, I had such a vested interest in his career. And I feel like, you know, if you've got, even if it's a bit far removed, you know, your brother's mates went to school with, you kind of like find that attachment. I've got, mm-hmm. um, you, know, uh, my, you know, for example, my brother-in-law, he, he's got one of his mates, his good mates with Ben White. And we always kind of have that, you know, that kind of following Ben White, even though I, I think he's a bit of a novice actually, but in general, <laughs> we do we do tend to, to track his career from when he was at Leeds and, and Brighton and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But I think, I mean, I, I personally, I think we have to start with um, the game yesterday at Warsaw. Mm. Um, you know, there were a lot of, a lot of youth academy uh, players on show, um, I think uh, for the ones that started were Philip Marshall, Josh Feeney, uh, Tim Irabonim, Aaron Ramsey, Jane Fuller, Jim Bidace, um, uh, to name a few. So, firstly, did you catch the game? <laughs> and if so, what, what did you think of the uh, of the starting players and, and how they got on? So, yeah, um, that's turned into one of my main motivations to go to that annual Warsaw game is, generally speaking, you'll see um, maybe two-thirds of the squad made up of academy players, particularly yesterday, with it being the first week back in pre-season. So, yeah, um, a relatively late decision to go down, I think. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it's it's really enjoyable, I think. I, one of the, 
the aspects of that that I really enjoy is that you don't often see um, in public the connection between first team players and academy players, and you don't you don't get to see, for example, Aaron Ramsey play with um, Luca Dean behind him or. Uh, Jaden Philogene playing with Matty Cash behind him and, and that extra dynamic is, is something really to be interested in um, because I think some, some sometimes some of the drawbacks to their game come from perhaps not having a, a trust or um, or somebody a little bit less developed in their career um, alongside them in, in their role. Um, thinking about the players yesterday, what better place to start than somebody... Uh, who comes from Great Bar? <laughs> um, Tim Robert. Um, I think he was probably the the, the sort of standout yesterday um, in that first half, uh, and obviously he was uh, removed at half time. Um, I think people that know me personally know how much I love his play style um, and love how his profile would suit our team at the moment. Um, whether that will pan out to be the case remains to be seen. But, yeah, I think what we saw yesterday is almost a bit of a showcase of the things Tim, or- Tim Orabunam is good at, and that's um, receiving the ball, having that uh, strength, that that sort of presence to retain the ball in, um, in a pressure situation. There were a couple of runs in the first 15 minutes that, that are typical of what, what he does day to day. Um I think the the that sort of plays into what I was saying initially as well is that you see him alongside Douglas Louise and it's it's a different kettle of fish to watching him play alongside somebody at QPR but with all due respect they're they're not in the same ballpark of, of uh, midfielders as Douglas Louise is. And uh, it's nice to see them them link up and you can see even in, in small bits, the, the trust Douglas Louise has in Tim O'Robenham to, to uh, retain possession and move possession effectively. Um, I was really impressed with him. Uh, obviously, there's only so much you can take from it. It's a, we're playing against a League 2 team and it's the first week of pre-season. So the, the intensity is low, but I, I liked what I saw from Tim yesterday. Yeah, I think uh, he's one that we've had a lot of questions about and we're going to get onto him in a bit more detail and it's his place at Villa in, in, in the future. Um, what about uh, Villa Jim Bidace? Obviously he won the penalty um, that Ollie Watkins took and from the looks of it, Ollie Watkins has been working on his penalties. Obviously he had that miss against Liverpool towards the end of the season um, last year. You know, if he'd have got that, possibly we'd, you know, we'd be talking about uh, Europa League charge as opposed to um not that anyone's got any issue with the <laughs> conference league and the performance from last season but it's definitely something that you can see he's he's been working on but all one and sort of created by village of the days so what did you what did you make to him after his his uh he's been at cardiff right um for the last season yeah and funnily enough i thought it was a nice introduction back to villa in the i think late in the season at cardiff he won two penalties that were both missed and I thought that was a nice, um, almost sort of poetic uh, introduction that he'd come back, win a penalty and, and Watkins would score it. Um, I think, if I'm being completely honest, it wasn't um, an organs blazing performance from him. It was, it was a relatively quiet um, first half an hour uh, until he got a couple of um, chances to move the ball. And that's where you see Jaden Villagin uh, come alive, is when he 
when he has the ball, he has the opportunity to run at his defender, create space. Um, if there's an overlapping run, find that overlapper. Um, and that's what we saw yesterday. He has that real, um, almost uncoachable uh, skill to his game in that he, he finds a way past his defender. He, um, he's, he's a strange one for the, uh, for the Jibbidez because I remember when he first broke through um, I think it might was it Dean Smith who sort of gave him his first um, his first appearance, and I remember everyone being so excited about him, um, you know, clamouring to have him on the bench. And mm. I think he was out of sight, out of mind for so long. And, and I think Villa have had quite a few of these um, players who are really supposed to, to to make their way into the first team, and everyone has a lot of high hopes for them. And then they kind of one way or another fizzle out, whether that's you know, and I think as fans, we're always kind of clamouring for, like I say, for that homegrown talent to be introduced into the team. And we want that that kid that's cost us nothing to go out and, and, and you know, do do his part and, and you know, do bits in a, in a Villa shirt. For the Jimmy Days, obviously, like like I say, he's been on he's been on loan. Um, he's been out of sight, out of mind. Everyone just sort of assumed he was he was going to be sent off again. Do you reckon that his performance yesterday is an indicator of of anything, or you don't want to read too much into it? Just just a preseason game against Warsaw. I think um, one of the things to always keep in mind when we're talking about academy progression into first team is the how realistic it is, uh, and the realistic um, unfortunate truth is that Jalen Philogene is playing in a position that. Villa are actively looking to recruit. We're seeing links every single day to a new right winger. And um, I, I think that would probably suggest where the future lies for Jaden Philogene, unfortunately. Um, and that, if anything, makes what he is doing now all the more important is um, show the coaching team what you can do. I think he's had a couple of interesting loan moves obviously he was at Stoke uh, the season before last um, and again he's not really playing the traditional uh, role that we would expect him to play he was used perhaps a little bit more defensively there and then later in later on in that move at Stoke they uh, moved him into a bit more of a forward position at Cardiff um, again another interesting season because Cardiff don't stereotypically play the most attacking football and so there were times um, in the early part of the season before um, a managerial change where Jaden Philogene was to a, to, a, 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 to a certain degree playing right back or right wing back and you don't really get the best of him from that position when Sabri Lamushi came in at Cardiff um, there was still some games where he would uh, float about in the right wing position, but when that managerial came, uh, when that managerial change was made, sorry, um, it seemed to have a big impact on uh, perhaps the freedom he was allowed to um, work with in the final third, and that's when we saw the best come from him. That's when he started um, providing goals and assists and uh, getting into the box and, and winning uh, free kicks and penalties. Yeah, um, he's at the age now that I'll probably think of as the the crossroads age, in that he needs to be playing first team football. 
Um, yeah. he, can't, he can't be playing under-21s football anymore, unfortunately. He's too good to play under-21s football. Um, and if that means that he's not he's not going to make it at Villa, then I, I think we might see talk of a permanent move somewhere else, whether that be to perhaps someone lower down. It might be someone on the continent. There's been perennial links throughout his time with Villa to clubs in the Bundesliga. Um, I think I've seen talk before of uh, his interest in Jaden Philogene. Um, but then also with him having shown what he can do in the championship, there's no reason championship clubs wouldn't be interested in in what he has to offer. And as someone who could probably play that second striker position and has done um, at times for Cardiff and Stoke and has the maturity that he has developed from uh, playing right wing back in quite um, quite organised defences. I think that shows um, a, a talent that perhaps people wouldn't expect him to have. Um, yeah. Because I think when you when you come in as a winger who's renowned for getting past his man, you're perhaps perceived to not have the most defensive responsibility, for example. You think back maybe to someone like Adama Traore when he first came onto the scene at Villa. Yeah. Um, there was always this perception that, that amazing when you get him the ball in the final third, but is he as committed defensively? And that he, makes me. He reminds me of um, uh, Callum O'Hare. Callum O'Hare was a player that I've really, really liked. I know that they play different positions. Callum O'Hare kind of plays in, in, in more central, uh, more centrally now for, for, for Coventry, from what I've seen of him anyway. Um, but he was a player who I always really rated. Whenever I saw him play, I was always. Um, sort of very excited for him, and then he kind of got that permanent move to Coventry. And every single time I've seen him since, I think that the big fear as Villa fans is having a player who you kind of you get rid of. You feel like there's no place for them in your team, and then they go on to success. I mm. think that's kind of, that's even worse than having a player who you know you keep and doesn't work out, and mm. you know, maybe gets a big contract and stays at the club for a long time. And you want to shift them. What's worse is having a player like. For example, I know Callum O'Hare is only doing it in the championship, but he's, he's very well liked at Coventry, very highly rated. And, um, you know, you don't ever want to miss out on that kind of talent. Man City did it with uh, Jaden Sancho. Chelsea did it with Kevin De Bruyne. You know, it, obviously, I know he wasn't an academy talent, but he was a young player that, be, in my opinion, the best midfielder in, in, in Premier League history. So how do you, how do you feel like Villa avoid that is, is is that just the setup of the youth academy now is it is it just um so well organized that people that that you know we're identifying the talent beforehand do you reckon that emery's i know you probably may not know this stuff in depth in the inner workings of the youth academy but do you reckon like emery is fully aware of everyone who's coming through the academy and, and looking at them i think absolutely um i, I think you see from the 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 clips that we see of Emery in uh, in training and the way he comes across in press conferences and interviews is that he doesn't leave any stone unturned. I have no doubt that he he has um, a knowledge of who's coming through, who who um, is the next person through in each position, um, and who will be looking at coming through into the first team. Um, I think the problem that you mention is is not actually specific to Villa. Um, the 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 sort of fear of losing a player. Um, it's a, a problem in football. Is that you 
you really need a particular set of circumstances. You need a look um, to be able to break through at the team that you have come through the academy at. Um, if you think back to when Jacob Ramsey made his uh, debut in the championship, that only came about due to a bit of an injury crisis and, and they needed numbers for training. And so it, it's really sometimes just a peculiar set of circumstances that lead to a player getting an opportunity. And again, unfortunately, sometimes the the harsh reality of men's football is that that opportunity doesn't come at the club um, that develops you. Um, and that, that I, I think if you were to ask the academy coaches, I think primarily they want to create players for Aston Villa, but then another sort of level or another dynamic to that job is that they also want to create players who have good professional careers. Uh, and that is, is something they take reward from. Uh, and so, whether it be at Villa, um, I, I think we're in a bit of a, a tricky situation. Perhaps Conference League might play into whether players get opportunities this season, but um, and certainly which players we keep around with squad role, uh, squad rules, and things like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think if we're talking specifically about someone like Jaden Philogene, I. I I would probably push to saying that, uh, unfortunately, his future is probably going to lie away from Aston Villa. Yeah, and I think I think Villa has got a really good history of bringing players up through the youth academy. Um, you know, we won't go too much further into this topic, but like in, in my lifetime, I, I remember seeing sort of Lee Hendry, proper Villa ploy, uh, boy playing for, for Villa. I'm sure someone's going to correct me or you're going to correct me and say, oh, they didn't actually start at Villa. But I'm talking about players who were with Villa from when they were young and who are, you know, like Birmingham, Birmingham born boys. And um, Lee Hendry, I always remember him when I was a kid. He was always my, my sort of my favourite player. And yeah. this was before when I was when I was quite young. I didn't really understand the concept of homegrown heroes or anything like that. And then it was Gabby, uh, Gabby Agbonlaho came through and then you get Jack Grealish and then you get Jacob um Jacob Ramsey and you just we we tend to produce players and even players who didn't come up through our academy the likes of sort of like James Milner or Gareth Barry and Stuart Downing and players who are who went on to better things Benteke you know we, we're kind of a we're, we are that club if we're being honest that develop players and then sort of bigger teams come in and and sort of poach them when they get to a, cert, a, a certain level and I've always been sort of very okay with that because when we were in the championship and we were the, the big fish and we were poaching from anyone we wanted because we were that kind of club. I just think it's the hierarchy of football sometimes. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I think that, that that's really important. And I don't really know Emery's track record when it comes to bringing you through, but I think it's something that I'm particularly passionate about. And I just, I, I, I would always rather, a player come through the academy and shine and come from outside the club and shine. I've got absolutely no idea why it's not my money that goes out when we pay big transfer fees. It doesn't make any odds to me, but if I had a choice, I think I'd always, I'd always pick, um, I always pick the homegrown, homegrown hero as I already said. Um, let's, let's, let's move on from, from yesterday and the Warsaw game. And let's, uh, I want to go through individual players and I want to get, the questions that we all want answered, all of the, the, the you know, 
insider info and we want to know what's going on with them. But before we touch on them, I want to talk about the ones who got away, so to speak. Um, you'll know that a, a few players have obviously been released uh, this summer, uh, the likes of Arjun Raki and Brad Young. Um, Arjun Raki, someone particularly that I thought was very highly rated um, and has always sort of like done well on loan. Brad Young, obviously, like I say, when that, you know, that game against Liverpool and just in previous appearances has, has always um, looked quite good. Uh, one of the questions that we have has actually come from Rich, who's uh, on, on, on the podcast as well. Everyone, everyone will know Rich. Um, he asks, uh, was it not worth signing the likes of Young and Racky on one-year deals so we can make some money from them instead of releasing on free transfers? Do you, th- do, you, do you think there's any, or can you understand the reasoning just with your understanding of how youth, you know, sort of that youth system works as to why we wouldn't? Because I'm sure there's a transfer value there. I think part of that comes from almost a respect for a person's career. Um, in that they're a, a crucial point in in their career. If you spend another year and you don't get the loan move that you want to um, attract the team to pay a fee for you, then you're in the same situation a, a year further down the line. You're you're 21, 22, and and you, again you're struggling to find a club. I think um, in a way you have to be. You have to be cruel to be kind sometimes with um, with uh, these sort of delicate situations at this age um, and in this age group where it's the last age group before first team football. Um, Arjun Reiki undoubtedly was highly thought of. Um, and again, it, it comes back to that whole conversation about sometimes opportunity just doesn't come. Um, and that can relate to Arden Reiki's time at Aston Villa, not getting an opportunity, but it also can relate to his opportunities that have come at loan clubs and he's not necessarily always had the chance to to sell himself to a football league club. And that's because of the the uh, the troubles that certain clubs want to avoid. Um, when he's gone down to uh, Grimsby in the National League, if that's a playoff run, then they're playing for the future of the football club, really, a, a club of Grimsby's size. They need the the money that comes from promotion to League Two. When he was at Stockport, the fear is relegation back to the National League. And and, and um, again, it, when, when you're a lone player, one of the things I find frustrating is that managers don't put trust in these academy players. And I can understand the reasoning for that. But you kind of get a little bit stuck sometimes. And I think... Those are the players, Reiki, Young, who have had those kind of stalling loan moves. Yeah. And um, if you, if we're being honest, they shouldn't have been playing on the 21 football last season. In an ideal world, they would have had loan moves. Um, obviously, Young, we know, did. Mm. And again, I think had a slightly difficult time. Began the year um, at Air. And Air have just sold um, their main striker, Dippo Akinyemi, who was Scottish Championship uh, top goal scorer. And so it's hard to be competing with these guys, unfortunately. But um, but yeah, I, I think that's, in in a harsh way, part of the, the developing a career side of things is that knowing you've got to put the hard yards in in training, you've got to 
um, show that you're capable of taking a spot. And I think that um, helps grow a, a player that will have a career now at this age. I'm sure there's interest in Arjun Royke that uh, he was on loan, uh, sorry, on trial um, towards the end of last season with Leicester. He played in one of their under-21s games. And it, it's those sort of opportunities that potentially arise. I, I don't, I, I don't, for a minute think that the Leicester opportunity will arise. But uh, again, it's it's good to have that acknowledgement, and it shows that there is interest. It might be someone lower down the pyramid. It might be a League One or a League Two team. But again, it's a, a good base to start from. And I think the club, um, like I say, it can probably lean on that defence that. Um, sometimes you just have to, in a harsh way, be cruel to be kind and, and let these players go and uh, create the careers that they they need to produce for themselves. Yeah, for sure. I think I've seen loads of loan moves where players have moved moved on to a, to a lowly club championship, League One, and they're not played. And as, as a Villa fan, and surely for the club, it must be so frustrating where you, you, know, you send a player on loan and, and, and they don't get the chance to... For regular football, which is the whole reason we've sent them out there, you know, if we wanted them to sit on the bench, or you know, we could have at least uh, we could have done that ourselves, or could have put them in the under twenty ones and, and seen how they get on there. But um, no, I think I think you're spot on, and, and that's really a point of view that I've never really looked at it from. You know, the club doing something for the player. Um, for me, it's always sort of dollars and cents, and you know, if we can get a million quid for Arjun Racket, and it's a million quid. You know, what I mean, it's not. It's it's not a massive transfer fee, any, but if it keeps lights on for a day, it keeps lights on. So um, I uh, maybe that's that's me uh, projecting some personal um, <laughs> some personal stuff with, with the energy bills going up recently. But yeah, no, I, I completely I completely get where you're coming from. Um, let's let's go through um, uh, first, and for, we'll try and go through these these players relatively quickly because there's quite a few that I want to ask about, and some I want to spend more time on than others. Um, let's start with our mate Rico Richards, who has just come from West Brom. Another, I think, maybe the twentieth West Brom academy player mm -hmm. that we've uh, brought in in the last uh, in the last year. Um, what do you know about him? I, I don't, I'll be honest; I know absolutely nothing about him. I've never seen him play. Um, I know that there's a good amount of, uh, of, of hype around him. I know that a lot of other Villa fans, especially people listening, will want to know who he is, what he's about, maybe what his chances are of getting into um getting into the fold at villa so uh yeah what do you what do you know about him i see him actually uh, funnily enough that we bring him up just after discussing him but he's he's kind of at that arjun Royke stage of his career um and with mark harrison we've not seen uh, or uh, we have seen that he doesn't have a fear of bringing in someone that he's previously worked with um i'm when I think of the way this Rico Richards deal has panned out in that he's, he's been released from West Brom um, despite a, a clear recognition of talent um, I see it as very similar to how Finazaz joined the club um, it, it's I'm, I'm probably not thinking this is a signature to try and strengthen the first team in a, a year or two but I see it as, as perhaps someone who can go out and gain recognition with a League One team on loan, make an impact, and then perhaps we can sell them on for um, whether it be two, three, four million, um, and and gain some money. But in the meantime, actually help develop a player, and and, and that's 
the crux of what the academy is 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 there to to do. And, and for, for those who don't know Mark Harrison, do you want to sort of explain who he is and what what he does at at Villa? So Mark Harrison is the academy manager. So he's the person who oversees all facets of development within the academy, and that ranges from academy recruitment, in that we mentioned him when we're talking about recruiting Rico Richards, um, to the development pathways of if we're talking about the under-16s, under-18s. Um, the reason it is relevant to these moves is that he was formerly at West Brom, and that's... That explains <laughs> a lot, to be fair. <laughs> that, that's quite an easy connection to make. But I think this is something, actually, that is quite common yeah. in academy football, is that you see players at other clubs, and then when you move job, if the opportunity comes to um, perhaps... <laughs> do a favour is probably the wrong term, but if it, if you can help them out by giving them um, a profile to, to go on loan, as I say, to a football league club, um, he knows that there is talent. I mean, you don't play championship football for West Brom, albeit a small number of appearances, but you don't play championship football for West Brom if you aren't talented. Um, yeah. and, and so there will definitely be clubs that are interested in taking Rico Richards on loan. I think we saw that from uh, Greg Evans when the move happened, is that there will be clubs interested in taking him on loan. And so um, I, I think the, the easiest way to put it is Mark Harrison trusts his instinct. We've seen other players come in. I mentioned Finazaz, and that's gone brilliantly so far. Um, yeah. But there are other players within the the academy system who have also made the move. Um, Tim Oregbunen was another. He made the move around the same time as Mark Harrison from West Brom. And again, he's now one of the players that we're talking about as as the the closest to making that step to, to the first team. Yeah, I I agree. You know what? This, like I say, this is this is a, a massive fact finding mission for me. I don't know half as much about the. Um, about the youth setup and how it works as, as I'd like. What kind of salary or like, you know, what kind of position would these guys be in in their career? Because um, you talk about, you know, helping the player out and giving them, helping develop them. What, what you know, are, are they sort of like on, uh, I know they won't be on the big, big bucks, but like relative to other young players of their age, you know, how, how are they? Are they? Is this for them like a make or break? Is this them? Is this a chance for them to earn some money in case football doesn't work out? What's is the or is the motivation for them? It's like, well, you're on, you're on the minimum, but you know, you're you're fighting for your life in football. How how, how does it work financially for them? Uh, I, I think financially is is very difficult to talk about unfortunately i don't have much information when it comes to what wages these guys are on mm -hmm. um I, I can't imagine that it will be huge if you're coming in as a free agent from west brom for yeah. example but um i think it, it's more to do with the trust for example that mark harrison has in what he's seen of that player previously and and what he will be getting feedback from from scouts for example um in the when Carney Chukwemeka moved on to Chelsea and people balked at the fear a little bit, um, some of the discussion I had was around opportunity cost uh, and you're buying the chance to develop a player who's worth so much more. And in a slightly lesser fashion, this is us doing the same thing. It is we're, we're kind of 
owning the opportunity to create someone who's maybe going to sell for five million, ten million, um, if things go well in a year or two. Yeah, brilliant. And and like I said, the only only thing I have to go on for youth players is a career mode in FIFA. So I know exactly <laughs> how much they all get, but I don't know what the rest of them are on. So um, yeah, that's that's pretty well. You know, we're all excited to see Rico Richards and see what he can do. Um, like I say, I wanted to go through some of the uh, you know some of the players um, that we've had questions about. Um, if I'm being honest, this this podcast is almost just for me because there's so many players I'm interested in. I want to know mm. what's going on. But one of the uh, one of the big players that we've had loads and loads of questions about since we've put this out um, has been your man Louis Barry. Um, obviously, we know he came he, another West Brom academy product went but he came to Villa via Barcelona um loads and loads and loads of um expectation on Louis Barry obviously like I, I mentioned earlier he scored that goal for against against Liverpool um and at that point his stock with the Villa fans was as high as you could imagine and and you know um since then uh we know that he's he's been on loan things haven't really worked out that well um like i say we've even had some some questions on it um you know from twitter as well we've had people saying does barry still have uh, from matt c so does uh, barry still have a chance or is that just not going to work um we've had uh, loads and loads of questions pretty much to the, to the exact same tune tell us about louis, louis barry what's the situation with him where's he at career wise and do you reckon there's any place for him in, in, in that first team ever? I think the interesting thing is the the context um, in which Louis Barry's stock rose. And, and it's almost um, a bit of a unicorn in that you don't ever really have the situation in which Louis Barry sh- shot to the front of the Villa Academy scene, if you like. Um the, the context that surrounded him playing in that FA Cup game against Liverpool yeah. um, is very, very unique. That won't have happened, um, if ever, to anyone else. Um, and so, in a way, I think he's kind of had a bit of an elevated position within the academy, almost a bit unfairly. Uh, and I don't mean that in the sense of that he didn't deserve that, because scoring a goal against Liverpool at the age that he did is remarkable. But I mean unfairness uh, in the sense of it's almost a bit of pressure, uh, a bit too soon. You you don't have that goal. You take away that goal yeah. against Liverpool and, and you can go about your daily work in the academy. Let's not forget that Louis Barry was a focal point of that um, FA Youth Cup winning side. And so you can argue that um, he deserved that, that sort of hype that came um, around a lot of those players within that FA Youth Cup winning side solely down to those performances. Um, in terms of his career, I think part of it, or part of the reason that we're not talking about is Louis Barry ready for first team action right now, we're not seeing him in action in a pre-season friendly at Warsaw, is because he's had to do some career maintenance, I think is probably the best way to term it, is get to grips with men's football, whether that be playing through the middle as a nine or 
what we now see him more frequently as as someone who's utilised as a bit of an inside forward last season at Salford. Um, so playing um, in what we'd probably call the number eleven role um, in the uh, in the left wing, and so that's stylistically a bit of a change from how his academy development went. He was always pretty much always um, a central striker. He so does how, have to, how did he get on at Salford last year? Because I know his numbers weren't weren't great, and he was on the for a period. So how, how was that? That's it. Is people will always look at the numbers, uh, and I think that's the easiest way to gauge um, someone's idea of success. But I think going beyond that, in a team uh, playing a, a big part in a team that um, were a penalty shootout away from um, a playoff final, is success and being a trusted part of that team, having a good number of starts is significant for Lou Barry's career um, in the context that we're talking to him about in that he's at, at this bit of a crossroads we don't really know what to make of, of what's going to happen with him um, I think if I'm being completely honest I, again I don't see much of a pathway for him in that his position is one that immediately comes with pressure when you're talking about playing Premier League football Um it takes three, four games without a goal for people to start talking. We've seen it with um, Leon Bailey coming through um, and how quickly that sort of positive attitude has turned to, right, we need something now. Uh, and so it, it's a position that clubs tend to recruit heavily in. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's the biggest barrier to Louis Barry's prospects at Villa. Um, but in that, it again relates back to, to what we've kind of discussed so far, is that not every player is going to make it at Aston Villa. Part of the, the remit of the academy is developing players who will go on and have good careers, and I don't doubt that Louis Barry is going to have um, at worst uh, a good football league career. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot for every single player mm. that I'm going to ask you about, and I need a I need a Roman Emperor's thumbs up or thumbs down. Lou Barry, does he have a future at Villa? Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Probably right. not. Lou <laughs> Barry is done. Um, yeah, really interesting. Like you say, a lot of pressure on him. I think because he came from Barcelona as well. Yeah. Uh, same same with When you come from a club of that size and stature, it's always you're always swimming against the tide. But um, you know, you need to have that um, to have that that you know kind of guile and you need to have that confidence in yourself and, and more importantly you need the ability to to go forward and, and do what you need he's very slight it's hard to adjust to the men's game um you know maybe he'll fill out and, and you know work on that but i'm with you i think louis barry is going to be too far behind in the pecking order and i think we also have to bear in mind what villa are trying to do now if you look at the the, the caliber of the signings that we've got um, that, that we're making this summer with, you know, the, the Torres and Tielemans and uh, maybe DRB coming in and who else, who, who knows who else may be coming in. I've heard Doku as well today. So it's going to be even harder for these these kids to break through. But I think if you look at somewhere like Man City, for example, they're really, really good at integrating youth players. They've got, um, what's his name? Uh, Cole Palmer. 
Cole Palmer, yeah, obviously Cole Palmer scored the winning goal in the Euros final and the 21s final. The other one who plays plays right back. Rico Lewis. Rico Lewis, that's one. Uh, yeah, Man City, obviously a massive, massive team at the moment. Uh, the best players in the world, but they still managed to integrate youth players. And, mm. and I think that's a testament to how good their academy is. Not to mention the ones that they let go, the type, the likes of Sancho and, and many others. Um, I like that style for me. I, I, I would I would love to have that kind of integration, two, three youth academy players in the squad at all time. And, and Villa have got a good history of that. So um, maybe we'll see. All right. I want a very, very quick, um, let's let's do a 30-second segment. Now that <laughs> Carney Chukwemeka is gone, what is Caleb Chukwemeka's future at Villa? Does he have one or was he brought in? just to appease Carney? I think um, the more and more it develops with his performances, I think it starts to sound a bit more like that that was the case. Um, The good news is for him in terms of his career, um, although he had a bit of an underwhelming loan move at Crawley last season, there was an obligation to buy, so I would expect that to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives him a, a bit of security in that you can sort of plan ahead and, and sort of settle at a club and, and focus on how things are going to attribute at that club. Um, it's an interesting one because he, he certainly has attributes that are um, more than usable at that level. And, and I was a bit excited about him when he first came in. He scored a hat-trick against West Brom in Premier League 2. Um and so there were certainly things that looked positive. Um, he, he obviously made his first team debut against uh, against Barrow in the League Cup, and, yeah. and again that's significant. You don't get that opportunity if if you're not talented. Um, I think the biggest thing for him is finding somewhere where he can consistently play games. Last year was a bit of in and out. Um, again, the coverage of loan players is not great at, at football league clubs, and so. It's not clear whether that was down to injury um, or just not selection. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, as I say, the positive thing for him is that he's got um, a permanent home where he can sort of settle down and, and you can build something without having that sort of tag of always oh, the, the Aston Villa player playing at Crawley. Yeah, that's and I, I agree with that. I think. From what I've seen of Caleb, I don't think he's quite at that level, um, but definitely exciting when he came in. And um, yeah, best of luck to him at Henry Crawley. Yeah. I think he's been painted with a uh, a certain brush after Carney left. It's kind of not his fault. He's just, uh, you know, he's, he's he's been doing his best, but best of luck to him. Um, next, this is a player that I was so excited about and still, and I still am. I haven't personally seen anything that makes me think that he's not the player that I think he can be, uh, or not the player that I think he is, or the player that I think he can be. It's our our, our mate, Kessler Hayden. Um, when he first came through, I was I was absolutely buzzing um, about him. Uh, I think Villa, one of the, the main possession, positions that we need to strengthen at the moment is a right back. Um, we had a, a keep, uh, sell, loan, um show earlier on in the transfer window and when it came to Matty Cash I, I said me personally I said I would sell him look to bring in a sort of really strong right back and then um 
and then bring in Kessler Hayden as, as the backup that like, can get some experience and and play some of the games in maybe the cups or in the Europe Conference League. Um, I got absolutely battered in the comments. <laughs> And like I say, I don't. I can only go off what I've seen of Kepler, and he's always impressed me. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to concede either way. You tell me what is Kane Kepler about? Does he have it? Does he not? Is he going to? Uh, is there any route for him? Roman Emperor, thumbs up, thumbs down. Is there any route for him into the Villa first team? I think it's a, a big season for him um, to have um, a seat. Hopefully. A full season on loan at Plymouth. Um, obviously, the the past couple of seasons have been somewhat um, stop start for him in that he had a, a move to Huddersfield, which broke down. He then came back and was back part of the under twenty two under twenty ones. Um, I love I love Kane Kessler Hayden. I love I love his play style. I love, he's he's the modern fullback um, yep. in that he's um, elusive um, and he can play that inverted central midfield role. Um, I think again, if we were talking about Aston Villa, um, it's going to be tough for him uh, because again, we're, we're talking about a position where the club will happily drop twenty-five, thirty million pounds on a player. That's um, true, but we're not we're not particularly blessed in that position. And we, we had yeah. Mike Cash, Ashley Young, Ashley Young has gone to Everton. Um, you know, it's a position that we need depth. I know uh, yeah. was it Ben Christen? Uh, yeah, Ben Christen. Play, um, he played at left back and Bovar played at uh, right back uh, yesterday. These players, as, as I mean, again, I can only go off what I've seen. Really, really good players, but I don't, I don't know if, if Bogard is, is is at the level of Kessler Hayden. If he has the experience of him, is is he? If we had to bring a right or start the season with only Matty Cash, we haven't brought anyone else in. Would you rather have him in than Kane Kessler Hayden or not? Uh, Lamar Burgard is not a right back. Uh, he's so he's somewhat of a utility player in that he can play a number of positions along the back line. Sure. Um, but that's part of his um, like promise that part of he part of the the potential that he has in that he's capable to play a number of positions. Thinking about Kane Kessler Hayden, certainly when uh, when we saw that he was part of the the match day squad or travelled with the squad. Um, for that 2-2 draw against Man United at home, um, I think a lot of fans would have said, yes, this this is the guy. That he's an exciting footballer, so I can see why fans want him to be successful. Yeah. Um, not only just because he's an academy player, but he plays an exciting brand of football. Um, what was the game he played against Man City? And he, for Sweden. Uh, Swindon. Swindon, yeah. And he was yeah. absolutely electric in that yeah. game. Yeah, and, and things like that only benefit him in that that was on ITV on a Friday night. There would have been millions watching. Um, and I think the, the, the sort of famous clip was he, he nutmegged someone and, and went yeah. on a bit of a run. And, and again, you're kind of thinking, wow, I'd love to see this guy um, get a bit of a run in, in, um, in the first team squad. And, and yeah, so we can I mean, see a little bit of that excitement. I was certainly watching and I've never watched a game of his where I wasn't impressed. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of, you know, even at every level. Um, so so what what does he, what is he missing then? Because you say you don't know about the route into Villa, um, you know, because we're always going to bring bring in top talent. 
but that doesn't mean there's no route there's no gateway for the academy because then there would be no point in having it and um, for me you've got to look where it's possible to bring in players who are of the right the right level what does he need then to get in into the first team so i think firstly would be or the squad, sorry not the actual yeah. first 11 but the I, I think uh, some of the stuff that I see coming back about his loan moves is that there seems to be some talk about attitude and I can't really comment on that. The stuff that I see is unquestionably good. Um, you watch him for the under-21s and, again, the commitment is there. He's he's doing the job that you would expect of, of somebody who really shouldn't be playing under-21 football. Yeah. Um, I think people would probably like to see a bit more defensive responsibility or rigidity I think is probably the the way to term it in that yes he's got all the attacking attributes but I, I think the immediate thing people think about with fullbacks is can they defend and can they be part of a, a back he got like, like Trent Alexander-Arnold yeah, Very yeah absolutely uh, and that's a good comparison to make in that I think people instantly think well, he's he's not part of a team that gets twenty clean sheets a season or something like that, and and he can't defend. I think there's been numerous occasions where I've watched um, him in the championship, and he's more than capable at his job. I think the the main thing for him is is we will get a better picture after this season. He will he will need consistent game time, and that possibly links into something that happened yesterday because I, I believe he was he was uh, injured in a pre-season friendly after a heavy tackle so hopefully that isn't too bad it was just precaution and he will start the season fit but um but yeah I think we need to see him have a full season of, of being trusted by a manager um and then we'll have a clearer picture uh, maybe in the summer of next season Brilliant. Well, uh, I mean, fingers crossed for for him. I'm, I've been a big fan of him for a long time. Mm, me too. Let's. So, what are we doing? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Mm, I, <laughs> can I? Go I'm, gonna, I'm not letting you sit on the fence, <laughs> Charlie. I'm going to be nice. Um, I'm going to say thumbs down, um, just because I think the the way that the first team is heading is a bit financially. Uh, motivated, and I think we'll, we will probably see a first-team fullback signed this summer, and I think that will block his pathway a little bit. Fair enough, we can't argue with that. Let's go for someone who's a little bit easier. Uh, hopefully, we can get this done a little bit, a little bit quicker. Tim Irubonum, um thats how I pronounce it. I don't know how everyone else pronounces it. Mm -hmm. um, what I, I mean, look, every, he's on everyone's radar. Um, had a season with QPR in the championship. Very, very, very highly rated there from what I've seen. Um, all the, the the Ars fans are, uh, you know, they were super impressed with him. Um, obviously, he's still, um, still very young. Um, a lot to develop in his game. There's two things for me. Um, because from what I've heard, there doesn't seem to be a massive risk in terms of his ability. Um, obviously, he's going to get better as a player. He's still a kid. Um my big question is, Villa currently have Douglas Louise, John McGinn, Jacob Ramsey, Bibkar Kamara, um, Yuri Tielemans, who can all play in the centre, uh, as a centre mid. 
Um, obviously, there are some players who are a bit older than others, the likes of John McGinn. Um, Douglas Louise is a player who you can see. I could see him leaving, uh, going to a to a Chelsea or going to an AC Milan or a Barcelona or something like that. But for now, as it stands, um, all uh, it doesn't really seem like there's a route in for him in terms of the opposition and people who are already there. What are your thoughts on Tim Aragon really quickly in terms of like his ability? But um, let's also get a, a thumbs up, thumbs down. Can he can he batter his way through? the established players already and, and, and find a place in that first team squad this season? I think we will certainly know more by the end of the transfer window. Uh, I love that this season we have the extra opportunity of European football. And so if we can get in a good position um, following the playoff, if we're, firstly, if we qualify, but then secondly, if we're in a good position in the group stage, he's someone who will be, um, for me, um, have sort of first reserve on on substitution minutes, uh, perhaps even starting games if we can qualify with a couple of games left to go, for example. So um, I would be a big advocate for him staying around this season. Um, I'm a big advocate for him having as much exposure to minutes as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, do you... um, uh, Do you have... uh... Uh, for example, any worries about the competition that he's already got there, all the names that I've already mentioned, what what do you think? Yes and no. Um, in that two of the players that fit that depth chart currently don't play that central midfield role. John McGinn's used in that bit of a, I, I call it a bit of a wing fielder, um, the, the right midfield role, um, and Ramsey used on the left. So if that continues to be the case, then Douglas and Kamara can be your your starters, uh, and then perhaps if we see some rotation, then Tielemans can drop in, and then, like I say in the example that we gave um, of Conference League football, then that would leave for me mm. Tim Arabunam with the perfect opportunity to have some good exposure to to men's football at a high level. Um, yeah. Again, it, it might take an injury or something like that. Injuries happen. Um, and so if he's around at the club this season, part of the squad, then um, it only takes someone to get a, a two, three-week knock for him to, to get a little run, whether that be in a conference league game or something like that. And that can be the difference maker for someone who's who's in the infancy of their um, their exposure to first-team football with Villa. Yeah, I think he's one to look out for. A lot of people are very interested in him, and I, for one, am as well. I'd, I'd love to see him integrated. I I've see, keep seeing stuff with like uh, links to Weston Kenny and Tyler yeah. Allen, other players who kind of play his position. I'd, I'd much rather give Tim a go. Um, yeah, he looks really impressive. Love to have him. Love to have him a part of the first team. Um, right, we're going to go on to the big one now because anyone who's ever watched a show before and has ever seen me in, in the Villa Park podcast will know that I, um, I'm i an advocate. I'm the head of the fan club for one particular player, have been for quite a few seasons now. Um, I've been banging the drum for this man, uh, Cameron Archer. Um, before I ask you your opinion, um, I will tell you mine. He is, for me... Uh, the most natural finisher we have at the club by a country mile. Um, I think he's got everything 
he needs to have at least he deserves a chance uh, in the Premier League starting games. I, I believe uh, not necessarily ahead of Oli, but sometimes there are games which might suit him better um, than Oli. Again, a few chances, for example. I feel like Cameron Archer. I'd back Cameron Archer to pick a one one of one chance in a game, uh, maybe more than maybe more than Ollie Watkins. And I know that that seems a bit. He's never done it at that level, um, and it's a, it's very premature. But every single time I watch him, he's just synonymous with with goals. Um, every time I watch him, he's super impressive. And um, yeah, I've been banging the drum for this kid for a long time. My big fear is he didn't play yesterday. Um, and a lot of people say, oh, well, he had the Euros. Uh, so did Aaron Ramsey, who's another player we'll get onto in a second, and, and, and he obviously started that game. What's going on with Cameron Archer? A, what do you think of him as a player? I'm sure you, you, you've watched him a lot more than I have at Middlesbrough, Norwich, uh, Preston North End over his, his loan spells over the last couple of years. Maybe even for Villa, that game against Chelsea, I was, I, I was at that game. The header he scored. Um, what do you think of him as a player? And B, what's going on with him? Why didn't he play yesterday? Is he going away on loan again this season? And is there any route for him? Roman Emperor, thumbs up, thumbs down. Is there any route for him into the team this year or ever? Huge thumbs up. Um, I, I pretty much would echo everything that you said there um, in that every time he is challenged with an opportunity to further himself, he delivers. Um, so whether that was getting a loan move to the championship at Preston, being his first taste of um, league football in the Solihull Moors was a, a slightly different opportunity. He he scored goals. He's gone to Middlesbrough. He scored goals when he got his opportunity at Villa and no one really knew what to expect from him. Hat-trick against Barrow. Um, and so he's always delivered when given an opportunity. Um, the reason we wouldn't have seen him yesterday is definitely down to the fact that the Euro final was only, uh, was it last week? Feels like ages, but I think it was last week. <laughs> um, Aaron Ramsey uh, pulled out through injury, so um, so that would be the reason that we saw Aaron Ramsey yesterday and not Cameron Archer. But I think certainly Cameron Archer, um, I, I think will benefit from the fact that it's hard to buy someone who is prepared to be a number two striker. Um, it's very, very difficult to buy someone who will meet the capability expectations and also be happy to be a number two. So I think he will benefit from that. I would not expect him to go on loan this season. I would expect, expect him to be around. We're going to be playing more games. We'll be expecting to go further in cup competitions, so he he would absolutely be the perfect person to have around to fill in those minutes where we want to remove Ollie Watkins from the pitch. So, I, I completely agree with you. Um, let's talk. You mentioned his under twenty one Euro win, uh, five matches, two goals, one assists. Um, his numbers, goals per game for Middlesbrough last season was absolutely insane. Um, Michael Carrick had a lot of a lot of faith in him. Um, I just I think I just can't I can't you know add to what you've already said. Just everywhere he goes, he produces. Um, and I know he had was it Solihull Moors where he his first loan where he didn't have a great time, and a lot of people kind of come back to that. And I just 
know, what was he, 16, 17, you know, even younger? Like, yeah, it's such a, it's such a, uh, you know, young age to, to be producing. But I think, so, so let's, let's track back a little bit. Why didn't he play yesterday? Is he, has he, do you know that? Has he been rested? Is he, because in my mind, Aaron Ramsey played, I thought, okay, well, Cameron Arch is getting ready to go on loan. They don't want to injure him. What, what, what do you know about that, if anything? Yeah, it'll, it'll 100% be down to, um, just allowing him some time off after the Euros. Um, he's not been back in pre-season yet with Villa. Um, so it'll be a similar situation to the other players who have been away on international duty. So um, whether that be Tyron Mings or uh, Bubakar Kamara or players of that ilk who have been away on international duty, mm. Archer will in fact actually probably get a little bit more time um, in that his international duty finished a week before the players came back uh, to to pre-season so um, I think we will probably see him go to America yeah um, but yeah as I say I, I would be shocked to see him go on loan um, unless something significant happens or there's a change of plan um, in that we're going to play a different formation or something like that but I, I can't see a situation that would um, arise in which Cameron Archer isn't around the squad and isn't a part of um, the Europa Conference League squad, for example, the 11s or whether it be from the bench. And I don't doubt that he's going to score goals for us. Yeah, um, I'm with you. And I think we were talking earlier about the fear of the one that got away. I don't have a, 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 that kind of fear with anyone as the same way I do with Cameron Archer because mm. I, you know, I put money, put good money on the fact that if he goes anywhere in the Premier League, He'll, he'll score goals. Um, I I would love to see him. All I want all I want is for him to get a chance. I think he's earned it. Um, you know, maybe it doesn't work out for him. Maybe the Prem is a level too high for him. Um, I doubt it after his performance against Chelsea um, a couple of years back. But yeah, um, so big thumbs up for him. Um, is that is that obviously you've given him a, a you know a glowing uh, glowing description? Is that thumbs up that you would like him to integrate or do you think he will actually start playing first in football? I think he will. Um, as I say, I think the, the the way things are at Villa at the moment is that it's going to be, it's a low priority position for us to recruit in so I would be surprised if we sign someone who's going to rival Ollie Watkins and so that, that fits Cameron Archer's position within the squad perfectly. Do you think it is a low priority position so we've got Ollie Watkins, Ollie Watkins here. Do you think it is a, a low priority position? Because I thought at times last season, because um, obviously we've got Duran as well. Uh, we haven't spoken about him, um, but do you, if Watkins had got injured last season um, at the crunch time where we went on our great run, do you think obviously Villa would have struggled with no striker mm-hmm. um, and? With Watkins, we only have the option to play one way, really. Um, do you think that it will be the case where Villa won't sign a striker? Because I, I've seen us linked to quite a few. Um, Dusan Vlahovic, before he was linked to PSG, obviously that looks like that move is going to happen uh, possibly next week. Um, but we have been linked to strikers. Do you think that we won't sign one and, and that it will just be Watkins and Watkins and Cameron Archer? I say low priority in the sense that it, it's not 
the most urgently required signing. Um, there are certainly positions within the first team squad that I would say require more urgent care than us to sign a number two striker who's going to uh, displace Cameron Archer in the in the depth chart. Um, it, it, it's hard to say. I, I would I would be shocked though that if we if we go and spend big on someone. And then it comes back to that same conversation that are you really going to go and sign someone who's happy to come and be number two and is a competent goal scorer? Um, Those are probably the hardest strikers to come across because you're 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 talking about you're about their course to Man United or or something like that, and and we saw how that played out. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you can't argue with that. I think maybe it's competition as well. Um, You know, it was only only. You know, what was it two years ago when we brought in Danny Ings to be direct competition to Ollie Watkins? Obviously, it didn't work out for Ollie Watkins. Um, and, and he actually kind of thrives off having no competition. Ollie Watkins, I think he kind of suits better knowing that he's going to play every week. He doesn't have that maybe added pressure. Um, but obviously, my, you know, my opinion, I'd love to see Cameron Archer get some more game time. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Duran. Every time I've seen him, he's looks fine. I think it's harsh on him because he only gets sort of like raw is the word. I think. Say again, sorry. I think he's raw in that you can see that there are things there that, like, you can see why he's being identified. But I, I think he needs time to sort of um, establish himself and, and and sort of understand his role within the team. For example. For, for, yeah, I agree. And from my opinion, I don't see any world where I'd rather start Duran than Cameron. Yeah. Archer. Like, no, no. like that, and that's what baffled me. But I, I get sending him out last last season on loan, getting him some experience. He wasn't going to play a lot in a Villa shirt, and and the same for Duran. He didn't play play minutes. Um, I, I'd be surprised if he actually did ninety combined all of the games that he had. But um, yeah, Cameron Archer. I think we're all agreed on that. I, I think he struggled to find a Villa fan who's not interested to see him. Let's um, do the last player before we we finish off with just a few questions that we've we've had in. Um, Aaron Ramsey. Um, obviously, we know uh, his brother Jacob uh, has uh, come. What did the, uh, what did they call him? The uh, <laughs> the England official Twitter. They they didn't call him Jacob Ramsey. They called him something else. JJ uh, and AJ, probably. Yeah, probably something like that. Something they, like that. I don't know. The disrespect <laughs> for Jacob Ramsey was crazy, considering he was captain of the under twenty one. They got the name wrong, and then they called him a defender. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's had a lot of disrespect, but a player who is very, very highly rated. And actually, even before um, Jacob Ramsey came through at Villa, I heard that his brother was the one to look out for. And um, mm. when he had made his first appearance in the Championship, Jacob Ramsey, I I heard, well, he's got a brother in there who's even better than he is. Mm. Jacob is obviously, uh, you know, proven to be a, a revelation. Um, Towards back in the season specifically, he's done some incredible stuff. A player that everyone loves. He's our homegrown hero already that we have in the, in the squad. Um, what is the story with Aaron Ramsey? Is he as good? Is he better? Is he worse? Is there any route for him into the first team this year? I think Aaron Ramsey is another one who could benefit from the Europe quota. Um, he is... <laughs> at that stage where you're talking about how are we going to give this guy an opportunity and uh, I think again similarly as we've had the conversations for Tim or Abunaman 
for Cameron Archer, I think there will be opportunities that arise for Aaron Ramsey. Funnily, I think he may even be the beneficiary of his brother's injury right now, um, in that yeah. he'll get a run in preseason, um, and if that goes well, that who knows that could even lead to a start on the opening day against Newcastle, for example. Mm. Um, he plays a similar um, a similar role. He's slightly more um, diminutive in that he does more of the things that you would expect to see from um, a ten. Whereas Jacob Ramsey is a bit more sort of all action eight. He's got the technical ability. Um, as well as the sort of running power. Aaron Ramsey is a bit different in that he's more... Um, I'm trying to think of a comparison in terms of player. He likes, uh, he likes a final pass from what I've seen. He yeah. He's a playmaker. Yeah, he's a bit of a um, right place, right time player, I think, as yeah. well, in that he, he, he pops up with, with a key pass um, in a counter-attack or... or the 30-yard the carry uh, crossing the halfway line in a counter-attack from a corner. Uh, in fact, we saw that with one of his goals for Middlesbrough last season in that he carried the ball a long way from a counter-attack and then finished it without second thought. Yeah. So um, I don't doubt that he's got the technical ability. I, I like that Villa gave him some trust to play yesterday. Um, I think it will be interesting to see what happens. As I say, he might benefit from his brother's injury, he might benefit from the European quota that we need. Um, we could very well end in a position where he doesn't leave on loan and we see him get some minutes in the Conference League. Yeah, brilliant. I think uh, we'd all be excited to, to see Aaron Ramsey. I, for one, I'd love to see him. I know that he, he played with Cameron Archer in the second half mm. of last season. Um, I really like their chemistry, their link-up. It worked... Um, Works brilliant uh, from what I saw, and, and that might work in both their favours to have already played with each other at such a high level. I would say maybe the the, the level is could be harder than some of the conference games that will come up against. So um, yeah, fingers crossed for him. Um, right, let's let's finish off with a couple of questions, and then I'm gonna we'll finish off with. I'm going to throw some names at you, and I just want a yes or no uh, <laughs> for Villa Future. No explanation, no deep dive into the history. I want to get through. There's so many, uh, you know, players of interest in the academy. Would we'd be here for three, four days if we we're going to go through all of them? <laughs> um, Rich has asked, um, who does he think out of the current under 18 and 19s has the makings of getting into the first team picture? Okay, so uh, I've got some thoughts on this one. This is a good question. Um, if we're talking players that played for the under-18s last season, Caden Young, um, but I think that's a bit of a cop-out answer because he's already been in and around the first team, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you another couple. Amari <laughs> um, Kellyman. Um, I, yeah. I think this will be Kellyman's season. Um, in that he's made that step from under-18s to under-21s. He's had that recognition from the first team. He's had plenty of sessions training with the first team towards the end of last season. He is really exciting. Um, I will be keenly tracking what he does with the under-21s. I expect him to be central to what they're doing this season. And I who, who was that? Sorry, I completely missed the name. Omari Kellyman. 
Am I going to get? Yeah, I I have again through my absolutely limited experience of watching uh, youth football. Um, I have heard I have heard of of obviously young as well, uh, Caden Young, Murray mm-hmm. Kelly. Um, we actually have uh, one of the questions that we have from our own Kevin Tyler is Rory Wilson. What are his chances mm-hmm. of making it into the first team? I, I think the conversation surrounding Rory Wilson is a bit unfair in the same way the conversation that surrounded Louis Barry was a bit unfair. Um, He comes over with this big reputation from Rangers and I think people are expecting a bit too much too soon for him. Sure. I see people talking about surprise that he's not involved in first team squads. Um, They would like to see him in the cup, for example, next season, that Mm. sort of thing. I think that's going to be a bit too soon. Uh, We're talking about someone who, who came in and this was his first season with the club. He was playing majority under 18s football it's rare that you will see someone go from under 18s with minimal under 21s football straight to the first team um the what what you can see from him is the fundamentals are great um his ball striking his understanding of finishing is really good um I would like to see more of that in the under-21s this season and that's what we will get with him he will be the starting striker for the under-21s um in terms of where we see that going um development isn't linear so it's it's hard to put a a, a, a specific tag on on what to expect from him but i i want to see continuing development in the under 21s and then perhaps next season we can talk about whether he's ready to go out on loan or um, perhaps ready for some minutes in next season's friendly at Warsaw, for example, or something like that. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, all right. So I am going to chuck some names at you, and I just want a yes or a no future at Villa. You ever see them getting into, in or around the first team squad? Let's start with Bogard, Lamar Bogard. Yes. Yes. Ben yes. Critton. Ah, this is a tough one. <laughs> it is a tough one. And you, if you want to elaborate very quickly, you can. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. Um, but this is more down to um, his injury record. Yeah. But um, if we're talking about football in more, I, I, I love Ben Cuisine as a player, so I, I would love to see him successful at Villa. Brilliant. Uh, Josh Feeney. I think this will shock a few people, but I'm going to say no. Wow, that is a big one, Josh Feeney. I, again, from what I know, is is yeah highly rated. A lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and me saying that doesn't mean um, he won't. <laughs> absolutely, but I think um, this is more down again, sort of thinking of the difficulties that centre backs tend to face in in breakthrough. Um, and I'm thinking uh, again, it's it's hard for a defender to get opportunity. Um, particularly mm. when, when they come through so young. I think Josh Feeney still has some filling out to do. Again, I think everyone would love to see him develop. Yeah. Um, I think if, if we um, draw it back to just simply yes or no, um, I'm hedging my bets a little bit and saying no. <laughs> well, let's move on. That's very interesting. That's a, that's a, uh, <laughs> a really bold take. Um, <laughs> I assume this is the brother of Dominic Revan, who now plays mm. for Barnet, if I'm not wrong. 
uh, Sebastian Revan. Will he follow um, to, to lower league? I think we will probably see him get a new. Uh, well, they gave him a one-year contract extension, so we'll. Uh, and I've seen talk of a loan move to mm-hmm. um, League Two. So I'm going to say no at Villa, but again, he's one of those that I would expect to have a good EFL career following things at Villa. Brilliant, Finn Azaz. No, I'm not spoken about Finn Azaz. Yeah, <laughs> um, straight answer would be no. Um, but again, that's just simply down to how stacked we are in that position that he plays. Um, I'm half expecting there to be some movement towards a permanent move, probably to Plymouth okay. um, as the transfer window progresses. Um, I think that's quite a lazy expectation, but I think it's also quite realistic um, in that it makes sense for all parties. Uh, I'm loving this. This is brilliant. I'm just I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, reading off names and seeing where you're going with them. Um, Amari Kellyman, I know you've already talked about him and you, yeah. you said how, how much you like him. What do you think, future at Villa or no? I think yes. Again, it comes back to that same statement about development isn't linear, but yeah. I think what we've seen from Amari Kellyman is really exciting. And if we're talking about physicality, he's tall. Um, once he fills out, he'll be... Um, He's quite quite slender at the moment. Yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be a specimen um, once he falls <laughs> out and um, and yeah, I, I think if you were to push me for a yes or no, I'd say yes. <laughs> Brilliant, um, Tommy O'Reilly. I've seen him about around. I love well. Tommy O'Reilly. <laughs> um, I, I'm gonna say no, um, but that's a difficult no. <laughs> um, oh, no, Charlie, come on. <laughs> So, again, it's simply down to more to do with his play style being a more um, diminutive 10. Um, And I I think that style of player is kind of becoming a bit um, unfashionable in that most teams don't really have time or or don't have that um, dedication to play a player who, who benefits from balls into their feet and, and rolling defenders. Time will tell. Um, I'm hoping he maybe gets a loan move this season. Again, he's someone who could even feature in the Europa Conference League, so I'll, I'll look stupid if that happens. But I think if we're talking long-term, I would probably say no, just due to barriers. And finally, Mr Caden Young. Caden Young, yes. Uh, I think we might see some cup minutes and Conference League minutes for him this season. See, that's interesting because at the start start of the podcast, you talked about how tough it was for academy players to sort of get into any sort of first team and, mm. and you know, the percentage, the low percentage of, of players that actually make it. And of those, I think you said maybe yes to, to five or six of, of you know, in, of yeah. all the players that we've spoken about so far, it's quite a high ratio. So is that is that just a reflection of what you think of the, what you think of the, the, the academy itself or these players in particular? I think it's a reflection of how their play styles fit into what we're trying to do as a team currently. Mm-hmm. So Caden Young, for example, is uh, can be that sort of second striker, the, the role that Bailey has been playing. Uh, and we saw him play it yesterday against yeah. Warsaw. He can be that um, live wire on the right side. So um, thinking about him, thinking about Lamar Bogard, um, he, he's someone who has a high level of technical security yeah. and, and football 
maturity, I think, as well, is, is he plays with a level of maturity that um, perhaps sometimes you don't see in a player coming through an academy. That's and funny. so that those are the things that make me make me say yes for those players. Is it's more a case of do, do their um, do their styles suit what we're trying to do as a club currently? Yeah, I think that's that's a massive part of it as well. Um, you know, can they can they play Emery's system because it's a very demanding, very technical system. And I think you even see players, for example, Mike Mike Cash. I see. I see him struggle sometimes just towards the end of the season when he came back in after after his injury with Poland and I think that passing around the back I think because he's he's not because he's not their foot and he's on that right side and he has to kind of go back it sometimes he, he struggles with it and it's you know it's not because he's a bad player it's just the system so yeah really interesting uh, finally is there anyone in the youth academy that can save us from Olsen um, uh, mm. is there anyone who can come up and take that number two number two goalkeeper position away from him because I think many Villa fans would, would love to never see Olsen in the Villa shirt again if we could avoid it. Goalkeeper is a really interesting position at the moment. We have quite a few that I think the club rate quite highly. The yeah. Yami Sinisalo, the talk is that um, after, his, uh, after featuring yesterday, he'll go on loan to Exeter, which okay. I think will be a good loan move for him. Um, Sinisalo, I would see as probably the, the, the natural progressor into that number two spot perhaps that's next season if we're in Europe again for example that will be a good opportunity um, thinking further beyond that so there are quite a few goalies uh, we've just had Oliver uh, Olivier Zoich, uh playing in the under 19 Euros he's captain of Poland under 19s yep. um, James Wright was on the bench yesterday Philip Marshall played uh, the first hour uh, and Philip Marshall comes back with good reviews from Gateshead. He's been on there uh, a couple of times on loan. Yeah. And then if we're talking even further down the line, um, Sam Proctor is currently the under-16s goalie. Um, I know he is massively rated within the England setup and with Villa. Okay. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see whether he maybe makes some steps towards the under-18s this season. But um, Sam Proctor is, is a name to keep an eye on. I am baffled. I have no idea how you keep all this information in your head um, about all of these youth academy players. Um, I think in terms of questions about players, that, that's it for me. But I, I can't tell you actually how how much I love this podcast. I've, I've done loads over the next the last few years with, uh, uh, you know, with the Villa Park pod. And I, I've got to admit, I actually think this is one of my favourites because I just sitting back and learning about stuff that I have absolutely no no idea about and and you never like you say you said at the start of the, the podcast you never get um you never really get to to hear about these set up there's not really a massive light sh uh, shining on it um I will definitely be keeping in mind now that I know who these players are who I'm looking out for who I'm discarding I think sometimes when you just don't know what you don't know you kind of Put it to one side but I'm, I'm i'm definitely going to be keeping up with it one of the questions i wanted to ask you is how do people other than going to the game um going to the game themselves how do people keep up with you know the youth academy football that uh, you mentioned the premier league two already um what how can people get involved and watch that if they do want to keep up to date so it's tough um the club paywall it and so that is something I've been stri uh, quite strongly opposed to in that I think uh, a lot of clubs who have quite a tradition of academy football make things available um, 
either for less or for free. Um, I know Leeds um, have streamed games on Twitter and YouTube, um, and, and simple things like that allow fans to to have a, a, a and be a part of the academy a bit more. Um, yeah. Beyond that, the, the, not to sort of give away my secret, but a lot of the stuff that I do is using the apps that are out there. Uh, so the Premier League app actually is really informative um, when it comes to academy games. They they have um, a live ticker for for each uh, under 21s and under 18s game mm. where you can see the teams um you'll get goals and assists you'll get yellow cards things like that uh, and that's really useful to to use um in terms of what villa do so again under 21s games are available on villa tv plus for a fee <laughs> um, <laughs> but um even then it, it, it's I will try and put out um, when I see streams are available. So, for example, Crystal Palace do a really good job. They stream every under-18 home game and under-21 game. So when Villa play Palace, you know that you can go to Exactly. So um, you can buy a a match pass with Palace for something like $2.99, $3.99, and you'll be able to watch uh, the under-18s play against Palace. Um, Again, it's really down to the individual clubs. One of the things that really annoys me, actually, thinking about coverage of under-21s is that Premier League broadcast restrictions often prevent clubs from streaming games. Mm. Um, And so that's if... um, So a lot of Premier League 2 games are played on Friday nights. If there's a Friday night football game live on Sky, you can't broadcast a game at the same time. And so it's stupid little rules like that that prevent you from being able to watch a game live. Um, and then it's um, season ticket holders get free tickets, I believe, to uh, Bollymore Heath. Uh, again, annoyingly difficult to access. And then the FA Youth Cup games will be at Villa Park, as well as um, there tends to be four or five under-21s games at Villa Park a season, and, and those are always really good to, to go down and watch. Well, we've got a lovely segue here. If you can't watch any of the games or through any of those those mediums that Charlie's just mentioned, you can always keep up to date with what's happening on his Twitter page. Um, Charlie, would you like to, to do a quick plug and let people know where they can find you on Twitter? So, yeah, um, if um, if you can follow on Academy ABFC, yeah, uh, I, I will, I'm generally covering most games. The, um, the information um, is is basic but but it's i think it's more than the club do like we said and um and yeah and and that that'll include videos when when i get access to them some of that stuff means trawling through um other clubs websites for highlights some are better than others and um but yeah i'll, I'll post clips when i get them post um match information when i get it that sort of stuff and as well as the little tidbits that the the club won't talk about in that um whether that's England youth selections or international youth selections. There's not been much talk about Olivier Zeitz, for example. Mm. Um, that sort of stuff. And I, and I think that's really good at keeping fans invested in uh, the progression of the players in the academy. I am going to call you out there because you've completely undersold your page. So I'm going to have to <laughs> do it properly. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest and I'll say that, that, that uh, Charlie's Twitter page is the only place where I really consume information about 
the the youth academy that's from retweeting the youth academy players themselves um you know people that i wouldn't even know are on twitter to follow he retweets all of, all of their stuff pictures um in like really good analysis of, of what's happening in the games players to look out for and and you know what's happened there so 100 percent um please go and give him a follow he's already got eleven and a half thousand followers which absolutely shits on our um twitter numbers so <laughs> make sure you follow us as well um but he's at academy at academy avfc um yeah mate this has been quality i've absolutely loved this um i we would love to have you back on uh, at another point if there are any developments any signings any updates maybe throughout the season as to how we're getting on in in the uh, premier league two um if we haven't if we haven't scared you off on this one yeah without being a bit um in the know because i know that's quite trendy on itk itk um (laughs) yeah there will be some stuff that i think fans will want to discuss so um yeah it would be great to come back on and and talk about the stuff when it officially happens brilliant well thank you guys uh all for listening thank you charlie for coming on um it's been a pleasure to have you um yeah please tune in for, for more stuff um, and remember, uh, well, we follow the villa. Cheers, see ya. Mate, thank you.